Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton, and you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. And my experience was fantastic. Hi there, it's Kanika. Get ready for another season of That's Total Mom Sense, where I interview global thought leaders on their life stories, the legacy they're passing on to their kids, and of course, their mom sense and dad sense superpower. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Hey, I'm Daphne Oz. Hi, I'm Shawnee Darden. Hi, this is Chris Lynn. Hi, I'm Bob Nishamalan. Hi, this is Tony Leroy. Hi, I'm Shannon Lee. Hi, I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Hi, this is Michael Perry, founder of Maple. And you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. It's our mission to be inclusive. So we're having dads pull up a seat at the table. Tune in to my new monthly segment, What Matters Most with Maple, featuring my co-host, Michael Perry, tech founder and devoted father of two. Thank you to my brand partners, community, and you, yes, you, for making this podcast possible. Episodes release every Thursday. Join my tribe by logging on to thatstotalmomsense.com and subscribe wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. I am so humbled to be having a one-on-one interview with my distinguished guest today. She's a thoughtful leader, author, educator, global public health advocate, and philanthropist who was blessed by destiny and has been fueled by her conviction to change our world for the better and motivate our kids to do the same. I'm honored to be joined by Chelsea Clinton. Chelsea Victoria Clinton was born in Little Rock, Arkansas, as the daughter of Bill Clinton. The 42nd president of the U.S., who served from 1993 to 2001, and her mother, Hillary Clinton, U.S. Secretary of State from 2009 to 2013, and formerly New York Senator. Her parents sent her to public school where she skipped third grade, and at 12 years old, she entered the White House. She went on to study at Sidwell Friends, a private school in D.C., Stanford University, the University of Oxford, where her dad was a Rhodes Scholar in 1968, and Columbia, and has earned her bachelor's in history, master's in public health, and PhD in international relations. She's published several books. Her first was It's Your World, Get Informed, Get Inspired and Get Going, Governing Global Health, Who Runs the World and Why?, The children's book series, She Persisted, with women who changed history in the world of politics, sports, the arts, and science. Start now. You can make a difference. Don't let them disappear. 12 endangered species around the world. And welcome to the Big Kids Club, what every older sibling needs to know. Along with her mom, Hillary, she co-authored Grandma's Gardens and The Book of Gutsy Women, Favorite Stories of Courage and Resilience, which has been adapted by Apple TV into a docuseries called Gutsy. Chelsea lives in New York with her husband, Mark, and their three kids. It's so ideal to have you on because you're lifting up the next generation, helping us all build our legacy. So you are so fitting to be on the show, Chelsea. Thank you so much for saying that. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'll tell you a little backstory. I grew up in Maryland in DC, and I remember going with my mom and family members to the Easter egg roll. I remember going when, you know, your father was in office and I feel like just seeing that life that you were leading as first daughter parallel to our own lives was 
just so fascinating for us. We were all growing up alongside you. So this is going to be a three-part conversation. It's dreams, service, and legacy. So I want to start with dreams. I'm quoting from your She Persisted series. Oprah said, the biggest adventure you can ever take is to live the life of your dreams. And as a child, you lived most of your life in the White House, started at age 12 and were there till age 20. So what was it like for a young Chelsea, such an impressionable age, uh, to be in the public eye and be in public service at such a young age? Oh, goodness. Well, you know, when I was very little, my dad was governor of Arkansas. And so certainly not in the public eye at a kind of national scale, although very much kind of in the in the public eye at a state and certainly a more local level. Yet I always understood why it was so important to my parents uh, to be in public service and that being in the public eye was certainly not the goal. And they did everything they could to protect me from being overly scrutinized. It was kind of the inevitable byproduct of their call to service. So you think about dreams of their kind of dreams to serve and to try to improve for my dad, you know, as many lives as he could as, as governor and then as president, and certainly for my mom, a very clear focus on improving the lives of, of children and, and families. And so even as a teenager, you know, my mom didn't have an elected office in the same way my dad did. I always knew that she too was very deeply involved in service when she was a lawyer, kind of through the cases that she would take and her advocacy work, and then certainly as first lady. And so for me, while I was aware, of course, that there kind of was always kind of the public gaze on us. I knew that that was an inevitable part of my parents' call, drive, dream of service. And I always understood that, thankfully, as a kid through the different examples that my parents shared with me of kind of what they were working on or who they were working for, you know, what they hoped to do. And I'm very thankful that they made those connections for me you know, as a very little girl, that those connections continued when I was less little, when we were in the White House. In your interview with Conan, I love that you shared that, you know, oftentimes there would be a state dinner with prime ministers and ambassadors present, and you would, you know, go downstairs, say hello to guests, but couldn't wait to get back to your homework. So (laughs) just to have that semblance of normalcy is really great to hear. And my parents, thankfully, also wouldn't have had it any other way. I mean, even just the anecdote around like you being at the Easter egg roll and I just never missed school. I mean, I missed school to be there for the signing of the peace agreement between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And I missed a little bit of school to go with my parents to Russia because my grandmother had just died and they didn't want to leave me alone and they couldn't defer their trip. So there were moments where I missed school, but it was often for very exceptional circumstances, exceptional sometimes on the on the positive and affirmative side and sometimes on the on the sadder, kind of more personal level. And I'm very thankful that they prioritized me having as kind of normal a life as possible while also ensuring that I felt connected to their work and included in their work in whatever age-appropriate ways that that could be done. Can you talk a little bit about your grandmother's grandma 
Ginger Grandma Dorothy, who had such an indelible impact on the woman you've become? Oh my gosh. Thank you. I mean, I think about my grandmothers all the time. Uh, my grandma Ginger, my dad's mom, I did not have the blessing of knowing as an adult. She passed away when I was 13, about six weeks before my 14th birthday. She was such a colorful character and always up for kind of feeding my curiosity and going on adventures together. And yet so rooted in the importance, the imperative of being kind and being kind of as generous as anyone could ever be. And I am so thankful all the time I spent with her and just wish that I could have had more time with her. And then my grandma, Dorothy, I was so lucky, so blessed to know for the first uh, 31 and a half years of my life. And she played a huge role in my life. I mean, I still think, what would Grandma Dorothy think about this question? Or what would she recommend? Or what questions would she be asking about this question or this you know, opportunity? And you know, both of my grandmothers practiced you know, what one of them called like the ministry of showing up. Like they just always showed up. They always were there, not only for me and for my parents and my uncles, but also, you know, for their friends, for their communities. And so just such examples of a life full of love and purpose and also very much rooted in their own ways of service, you know, at a more local level with their local community organizations, with their churches, with my grandma Dorothy, you know, her local Girl Scout troops, but still very much to whom much is given, much is expected and kind of what that may mean over time may shift, but that that call is always there. So I am so thankful um, for them in my lives. I think about them all the time and miss them every day. With your grandma Dorothy, I mean, she was a self-made woman. And to think that, you know, the rights of suffrage for women, she was there when that was granted and then got a chance to vote for her daughter. Yet also that you can never take anything for granted. I think partly because she and my grandma Ginger were such kind of self-made people, certainly had a respect for hard work, but also didn't think it should be as hard and always had a real appreciation for the need to invest in more kind of rights and opportunities for people who historically have been excluded, certainly including, but not uh, only uh, women. This episode of That's Total Mom Sense is sponsored by Sambacall. Fall is upon us, and you know what that means. Cooler weather, layers, and of course, the kids heading back to school. Have you checked off all the items on your never-ending list? New clothes, notebooks, pencils, brand new backpack. The kids want it all. But have you thought about how to keep them healthy when they're heading back to school? That's where Sambacall comes in. My kids and I recently started taking Sambacall every day to help support our immune systems so we can keep doing what we need to do. Sambacol is made from premium European black elderberries, which are natural sources of powerful antioxidants and key vitamins like A, C, and E. They help support a healthy immune system and help you power through your day. What's so great about Sambacol is that they have tons of different ways to get your daily helping of black elderberry, like syrups, gummies, chewable tablets, drink powders, capsules, and more. They have products made just for kids, too. My three kids love the Sambacol Black Elderberry Gummies. They love the flavor and remind me to give it to them when we're rushing out the door during drop-off. 
Make a healthy immune system part of your back-to-school strategy this year with Samacol. My listeners can receive 15% off their next order of $9.99 or more at SambacolUSA.com by using my promo code MOMSENSE15 at checkout. That's 15% off your order of $9.99 or more at Sambacol, spelled S-A-M-B-U-C-O-L-U-S-A dot com. And remember, use code MOMSENSE15 at checkout. And here's a pro tip. Save the promo code and the website address in your notes app. I know you're busy, too busy to remember this promo code and sort through the episodes to find it. So it's MOMSENSE15 and the website is SambucolUSA.com. So the second segment is service. And in She Persisted, you share the story of Lima Gaboi, who is a trauma counselor rather during the Civil War in Liberia. And she said, the more I did, the more I could do, the more I wanted to do, the more I saw needed to be done. And I feel like that really captures what service is about. And your parents have dedicated their lives to service. And now you're doing the same. I feel like you're truly building up this next generation to understand what it means. I have some of your books here. Um, My kids are just learning to read and I cannot wait till they read It's Your World and start now because it's really galvanizing the youth and what they have the power to do. I want to just talk about how we are living in this, what feels like a dystopian society with this ongoing pandemic. We've seen the worst, racism, gun violence, police brutality, female rights being rescinded, lack of universal childcare, corruption, climate crisis, the list goes on. But you stay optimistic. How do you do that? I think about something a lot that Jim Kim, who was one of the founders of Partners in Health, then was the president of the World Bank. So very much dedicated a huge portion of his life to trying to bring healthcare, good healthcare, healthcare with dignity to places that historically had had very few, if any, healthcare services, healthcare workers, healthcare options or opportunities. I'll just never forget years ago, I heard him say that optimism is a moral choice. And I think that's right. I think that cynicism is kind of the reservoir of people who not only don't think things can change, but also people who like the status quo or who maybe even, as you were just saying, like want to pull us backward, you know, aren't only not interested in progress, but are interested in regression. And that's not what I'm interested in. That's not the world that I want to live in or that I want my kids or your kids to grow up in. And so I do think optimism is a moral choice. I choose to believe that my energies and time, resources, and dreams, you know, if invested in, directed in, purposed alongside, you know, other people who also believe that a more just and equitable and sustainable and healthier world is possible, that hopefully we can get closer to that, closer to that in terms of of what our legal rights are, as well as what our opportunities are, as well as what hopefully we are protected against kind of would be. And so, you know, for me, it's both not wanting to be cynical and also just believing that hopefully some portion of kind of all that I try to do on any given day will matter. And hopefully, you know, we'll make even just a small contribution to better worlds for our kids. Yes, absolutely. And what what inspires you to write for our children? 
our kids, you know, first and foremost, you know, every time I think about it, and certainly was surprising when I was living it, but I was so struck when I was the parent of, you know, not only a daughter and then also my son, and they were both quite small, you know, how many of the children's books were oriented around male voices or male names. I mean, even like the ducks and the chickens and the cows and the frogs, you know, would be named George or Harry. And that's lovely for George and Harry, but there were so few stories centered on like the narratives of, of girls and women. And so that's partly why it's been so important to me to focus on this like she persisted series. And then for like it's your world or start now or the other work to try to inform and help empower the next generation, including, you know, even young kids, is really driven by the questions that I've heard kids ask, sometimes me, sometimes other authors or teachers. And I think that those questions deserve answers. Kids who want to change something also deserve to hear stories of other kids who've already changed things and already tackled challenges in their community or on larger stages so that hopefully they can imagine themselves doing the same or doing something similar. And so you know, everything I do now is so inspired by my kids, you know, across like every facet of my life, including as a writer, because ultimately like the most important role I have is as a mom. Absolutely. Well, in your latest book, Welcome to the Big Kids Club, and in Spanish, it's, it's uh, Bienvenidos al Club de los Niños Grandes. You are writing to kids who are graduating to becoming a big brother or a big sister to their baby on the way, and you share concepts with them on how to hold the baby, what's a soft spot, why do they poop so much? It's, it's really fun and uh, whimsical. Can you break down how you came up with these concepts and are these what you taught your um, two older kids before Jasper came along? Yes. So this was very much inspired by the questions that Charlotte and Aiden were asking because Charlotte and Aiden are only 20 months apart. So Charlotte was not really asking questions when her baby brother was born, but then there's more than three years between Aiden and Jasper. And so, you know, Charlotte and Aiden were just so curious about like what this new baby was going to be. And she also very much, even more than her brother, like very much had a proprietary take on the baby before Jasper was even born. And so the Welcome to the Big Kids Club book was really like the product of all these conversations I had with, with our kids around what we thought might happen, but also, you know, the babies develop in different ways. And so what we thought may happen may not happen in the same way or what had been true for the two of them, you may or may not be true for their new baby because we didn't know if Jasper was going to be a boy or a girl. All of those conversations just compelled me to to write this book because I thought, well, if we're having these conversations, I imagine similar conversations are happening in other in other families uh, too. And now moving on to legacy, I feel like we can't even think of legacy until we think of our village. And I remember reading It Takes a Village with my mom when I was a teen. And of course, I didn't fully understand what parenthood entailed. But now that I have three, it couldn't ring more true what you know your mother was trying to capture for all of us. My mom has been diagnosed with aphasia and um, it's early onset dementia. And just to see that evolution as a mom myself in the sandwich generation, it's very difficult. So we need our village more than anything. And I want to just share a quote that your mother had 
had written, parenthood has the power to redefine every aspect of life, marriage, work, relationships with family and friends. Those helpless bundles of power and promise that come into our world show us our true selves, who we are, who we are not, who we wish we could be. We are living in an interdependent world where what our children hear, see, feel, and learn will affect how they grow up and who they turn out to be. So it's all a cycle. So tell us about what your parenthood experience was like and who that village is for you. Well, I am happy that you have a village around you. And I am certainly happy that we have a village around us. And, you know, our village is, is thankfully, you know, wide and deep, you know, with our families, both my husband's family and, and my family, our friends, you know, our kids, amazing teachers, really wonderful caregiver and everyone who helps us like, you know, on any given day or week or month or year. And certainly I have to give a massive shout out to our pediatric practice and everyone who works there from the pediatricians to the nurses to the front office staff who have just been amazing over the last two and a half years of COVID and all of the questions that I know so many parents have had. And so really have to just acknowledge them as a big part of our village too. So, so thankful for everyone who's in our village. And also will say, I had no idea the gift that my children would give me of seeing my parents as grandparents. I have thankfully a, a quite good memory, but don't remember like being a baby, certainly. And so seeing how much love and care and attention and attentiveness that my parents have always had toward our children, like from the moment they met in the hospital has just been such a gift. And so seeing them you know, read together and play together and be able to do that in different seasons and in different places and spaces has been magical for me. Also, as someone who had such a close relationship with my grandmothers, you know, to watch that relationship develop between my children and their grandparents also has been particularly meaningful. And so while, again, we are very thankful to have a wide and deep village with, you know, so much family and so many friends and everyone else who cares for, nurtures, teaches, educates, helps protect our kids, particularly thankful uh, for my parents as grandparents. What was like your biggest learning as a parent? My husband took a little bit too much of the like, you know, listen to your instincts is like the only advice to heed because like there is a right way to like put a diaper on or swaddle a child. Like there are some things that you just need to learn from like the nurses in the hospital or your pediatric practice, or your sister who has lots of children. Thankfully, again, because we've had such a robust village and have had such wonderful like advice and community, I think thankfully that helped preempt a lot of the challenges that otherwise you know we would have had, or the people who don't have. I mean, my husband's one of eleven. And so, and he's the tenth of eleven. So many, many of his sisters and brothers, you know, had already had children, uh, many children, you know, many different stages of life. And thankfully my parents have been really engaged and involved. But I do think kind of the, the funny learning was like when Charlotte was like very little and he was like, why can't I figure this out? And I'm like, because you need someone to teach you. Right. <laughs> okay. A quick rapid fire round. I'm going to start with questions that my kids posed for you. My daughter 
So every birthday she, she gets gifts. She donates half of them to kids charities that we belong to. Is there any other way that she can help, you know, share and, um, and help those less fortunate in our community? She wants to know. I don't know enough about kind of where you live, but certainly, you know, in New York City, there are ways for even like relatively young kids to get involved with food repacking and food donations, not only around, you know, Thanksgiving or the holidays when a lot of people may be engaged in that work, but also, you know, in the spring or the summer or the autumn. And you don't have to be, you know, too big or too strong to be able to like sort out potatoes or apples um, and bag them to be able to then have them picked up by families who otherwise you wouldn't be able to access like fresh fruit and vegetables. So that's, I think, one way that she could help if that is an option. That's so great. Um, And it's something that we should do year round, of course. My son, who's a dinosaur aficionado in the home, he uh, wants to know who would win T-Rex or Parasaurolophus in a duel. It's probably Parasaurolophus, but like as someone who loved T-Rexes as a kid, I have to go with T-Rex. <laughs> yes. Back to the OG dinosaur. Yeah. And how do you recycle with your kids? My other twins, my boy girl twins, and then my younger one. Um, so my one twin said, you know, he loves recycling. Do you do that with your kids? Compost, that sort of thing. We recycle very diligently. I have found it's a really like wonderful way for our kids to be engaged. Like they understand that we like opt into renewable energy or that we use energy safe light bulbs, but they can't like help fill out the forms really or like change the light bulbs or have the more energy efficient glass uh, on our windows. Um, but they can help like break down the cardboard boxes and put them in the right bin and like put the like wash out the yogurt containers and put those in the right bin. And so, yes, like they are very involved with that. That's awesome. Is there a book that changed your life? 50 Simple Things Kids Can Do to Save the World. Absolutely. I read it when I was, I don't know, 10 or 11. It was just full of such practical ways for kids to change the world. And I then thought, oh, I can do this. And I did some of it, not all of it, but a lot of it. Is there a song that you love to listen to on repeat? We listen to a lot of Raffi, admittedly, because our three-year-old Jasper is like deep into Baby Beluga and Down by the Bay. (laughs) And all of that makes him so happy. Also, our two older kids are really into Kids Learning Tube. Mm -hmm. So we listen to lots of those albums as well. We particularly like the planets and the dwarf planet ones. Do you have an heirloom or a lucky charm that you hold dear? Don't have an heirloom um, or lucky charm, but my children gave me this necklace, which I can pull out and show you, um, that has like three tiny little things on it for each one of them that they picked out and gave to me for Christmas a couple of years ago. And I wear that every day. And mom sense moment, a moment where you trust that built-in sixth sense that, you know, mom sense, dad sense, grandma sense, we all have it, where you just felt like, I I know what to do in this situation and it's not going to steer me wrong. Yes. Well, all of my children have had moments of like not maybe making the right choices with their ability to balance on things or thinking they maybe should climb on things that they shouldn't climb on. And I'm very thankful that I seem to have what my husband calls a spidey sense of to like either ideally prevent that from happening or certainly catch them before they go tumbling off. And so, yes, Mark calls that my spidey sense. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And where can my audience find you and all your books? 
Gosh, well, in your local bookstores, thankfully. I mean, in your local bookstores or online, you know, certainly at like Barnes and Noble or um, Amazon, but hopefully in your local bookstores. And we will be sharing more about the upcoming book events for Welcome to the Big Cup Kids Club soon. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your light with the world. Oh gosh. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so happy that your kids enjoy some of the books and hopefully will enjoy others as they get older. And then it's time for them to read those. Yes, exactly. This, I mean, this is just, it's the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) They will have a book um, by you to read, which is amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone in the background who like brought us together and made this possible. Thanks for listening to this episode of That's Total Mom Sense. You can listen to the audio version wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for That's Total Mom Sense. You can learn more about my guests by logging on to www.thatstotalmomsense.com. Be sure to follow me on Instagram where I'm most active on social media. My handle is at Kanika Chadda Gupta. And if you have ideas for show topics or guests you can't wait to have on the show, write to me at thatstotalmomsense at gmail.com. And lastly, please rate, review, and subscribe to That Total Mom Sense if you haven't already. Thanks for being in my tribe. That's Total Mom Sense.